Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You're so gracious. You're so kind. You're so good. And we love you. And we thank you for Jesus. Because of Jesus, we've been redeemed. We have been restored. And all the separation between you and us has been ended. So we ask that you would help us to live from a place that there is no separation. Jesus is the mirror of our true identity. Help us live from that place. Holy Spirit, we need you because you are our teacher and you are the one who searches the heart of the Father and reveals the deep things to us, the things that have freely been given to us. We have freely been given wholeness. We have freely been given the ability to renew our minds. We have freely been given health and prosperity and peace and favor and mercy and grace. Help us to be aware of what we have been freely given so that we can walk in it. Now, Father, you said anytime that we can see here and understand that we shall be converted and we shall be healed. And so we thank you that today is a day of conversion. For many of us, we will never be the same again in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Listen, now what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to take some notes. I'm also going to ask you to comment in, in, in the, in the quote, in, in the comment section. And I'm going to ask you once again, if you don't see some champions miss, if you see some champions missing on this, you need to tag them because this teaching really goes in a line with the resurrected life, right? We're going to start with third John two. We're going to start with 3 John 2. And one of the things we say in Fellowship of Champions is that we don't despise repetitive teaching. So the first thing I'm going to ask everybody to collect and put it in the comments is that I am anointed to learn this. I am anointed to learn this. I'm anointed to learn this. I can grab my mind around this. This is not a foreign concept to me. I'm not rejecting this teaching. I'm not looking for a re you have to be really, really careful when someone begins to teach you about transformation that you are not looking for a reason to be the exception. That And it's so important that you realize that you are special, but your situation is not. And a lot of times in my work, people get really in their feelings when I say that to them. You are special, but your situation is not. What do I mean when I say you are special? You are special because according to Psalms 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your situation is not special because God has an answer for every situation. And there are people who have walked through what you walked through and come out in victory, right? So you want to make sure that when you hear teaching like this, that you're not looking to be an exception. You're looking to be included, to see yourself included. That if someone else got breakthrough, you can get breakthrough. If someone else transformed, you can transform. And even if you're the first about a particular subject, you're going to be first and walk everybody else through it because you know that it is so important and it is so capable, right? It is so possible, right? So let's go to 3 John 2. 3 John 2, very familiar passage of scripture. It says, beloved, above all things I wish, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, right? Well, let's look at what these, let's break this scripture down a little bit. What does it mean to prosper? To prosper means to grant a prosperous and expeditious journey. And the definition that I like better, the second definition is, is to lead by a direct and easy way. So listen to what John is saying. He says, beloved, above all things, I wish that you would be led by a direct and easy way. How many of you want to be led by a direct and easy way? No, I mean, who who are really out here want to be climbing up the rough side of the mountain, always going through, walking around the mountain one more time, living in the valley, 
That is not what you are created to do. So John says, beloved above all things, I wish that you would be led by a direct and easy way. That is the will of God for us to be led by a direct and easy way. He says, beloved above all things, I wish that you would be led by a direct and easy way and be in health even as your soul prospers even as your soul is led in a direct and easy way. So what John is saying to, to the church, he's saying, listen here, it is the part of Abba for you to prosper in every area. Total life prosperity. Come on and put that in the comments. Total life prosperity. It is the will of God for me to experience total life prosperity. I need you to make this confession. It is safe for me to have total life prosperity. It is safe for me to have total life prosperity. Now I'm going to tell y'all something. If you go to church, you're if you go to church on a regular basis, you're very most of us are very used to the pastor saying or the praise and worship leader saying tell and tell tell your turn and tell your neighbor or say this or say that. You need to understand that that is not just something we do for participation. You need to understand that that is a way to reprogram your mind. So I want to encourage you not to be a person who begins to be so used to what's happening in church, right? That you now go, well, I'm not going to turn and tell my neighbor. I'm not going to say it. I don't need to say it because what research has found is that nothing changes your mind faster than your voice. So when your voice speaks truth, you're going to lead yourself into greater freedom. But if your voice speaks lies to you, you're going to lead yourself into greater bondage, right? So when I'm saying to you, turn and tell, type this, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get your entire person engaged in the process of transformation. We know, for example, that if you write something as opposed to typing it, that it does something different in your brain. So some of these things I'm saying right here, you may listen to them and type them today, but later on today or later on tomorrow, you may want to write it out. So it sends a, it sends a clearer message, creates a clearer pathway in your brain, right? So we don't want to be people that we go, oh, I'm not going to turn and tell my neighbor or, oh, she asked me to say it again. Pastor Edwin asked me to say it again. I'm, it, it don't take all of that. Tell your neighbor, it really does take all of that, right? Now, we typically stop with 3 John 2 in, when most people are teaching, but let's skip down to verse 4. Verse 4. Verse 4 tells us, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So verse two says, beloved above all things, I wish that you would prosper, be led by a direct and easy path, even as your soul um, and be in health, even as your soul prospers. But then verse four says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Why is it such a big deal? Why is John saying, man, listen, all these people I've led to the Lord, I desire for them to walk in truth. Because that's the key to total life prosperity. I have to be willing to walk in truth. Okay? Truth. Who, who is truth? Jesus is truth. Jesus says in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth. Now, if you think about what we've been teaching in the resurrected life, that we take all of our identity from Christ. And one of the things we said on Friday night that I want us to begin to say here 
is that if it's not in Christ, if I see something in me that's not in Christ, that's not the real me. Because we have to begin to separate ourselves from these thought processes, from these experiences that we've had that cause us to believe that we are something other than what God has said about us. So if I have a thought that says that I'm rejected, when I look in G at Jesus in the mirror, because we've been using Colossians 2.10 for weeks, right, that says I am complete in him. If I look in Jesus, do I see Jesus struggling with rejection issue? So if I see something in me, that is not in Jesus, I have to begin to renounce that and say, that's not the real me. Now, many times what we do is we go, that's just the way I am. Wrong answer. Not that's just the way I am. That's the way that I've been conditioned by life to believe I am. But that is not who Christ made me, right? It is God's desire. It is God's desire for us to prosper and be in health. He desires for us to be led in a direct and easy way. However, the condition of our soul is going to determine how much of that we receive. So God has already solidified it. Hey, everybody watching today, everybody in the whole world, everybody who has ever lived, ever, is living and will live. His desire is that we would all live a life of total prosperity. What's going to determine what we live, how we live? Our soul. Now, we've taught this many times, but we don't despise repetitive teaching. What's our soul, guys? It's our mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. It's our mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. We will never live beyond the condition or the truth that our soul possesses. We will never live beyond the truth that our soul possesses. That is why in Romans 12 and 2, a scripture that Pastor Edwin and I use all the time, it tells us what? Be transformed and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Your mind is a part of your soul. Renew your mind with truth so you can prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. Now we go back to John, third John. What does he tell us? What is God's desire for us? Total life prosperity. What is our part in walking that out? Our part in walking that out is to renew our minds with truth. Now, John 10 and 10, it says that the enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy you need to be very clear about that. The enemy only has a three-part plan. Everything he has ever done, everything he will ever do, it is for those three purposes, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So many of the things that have happened to us in our lives from at the hands of the enemy, they are designed to steal our true identity, to kill our destiny, to destroy our belief about whether we can have what God tells us to have. That's why John says, look here, guys, if you want total life prosperity, if you want everything God has for you, you're going to have to renew your mind with truth. Who is truth? Jesus. And I think one of the things that we haven't fully understood is that 
Truth is not a thing. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. So I'm going to look at Jesus to find my real self. I am going to look at Jesus to determine what is possible for me. And anything that is currently in my life that does not look like Jesus is not my real life. Why is this so important? Because whatever I agree with will dominate my life. Selah. Whatever I agree with will dominate my life. What do I mean? So you may have not been loved well or felt like you were loved well by your parents growing up. And so you struggle with rejection. Okay. And so when you don't understand that Jesus is truth and Jesus is the mirror of who you really are, then what, when you keep rehearsing the fact that you're rejected, many of you, you've been, you, you've gone to the altar so many times about rejection. It is not that you still are rejected. It is that you are still in agreement with a lie that you are rejected. Because even if your parents or your ex-husband or your baby mama or daddy or your best friend did all the stuff you said that they did to you, that is not more superior. That is not more powerful and not more dominant than what Jesus did for you on the cross, which was to give you back your identity. Listen, so that's so important. I love what they put in the comments. They said, are you in agreement with a lie? What do you believe about yourself? That is a lie. It is a lie because truth is in Jesus. Truth is Jesus. So if it's not what Jesus has said about, Pastor, you don't know how long I've struggled with porn. I don't care. It is not the real you. You don't know how long I've been angry. You don't know how long I've been in depression. I do not care. What I know is that truth is Jesus. And if you will begin to intentionally meditate on who you really are, um, then you will begin to shift and transform. Okay, so Romans 12 and 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God for your life. Prove is not actually used a lot in, um, in the King James Version of the Bible, okay? But in Malachi, we're told that if we tithe, we can prove God. But renewing of the mind is how we prove for ourselves. So if I renew my mind, I'm going to prove for myself what is God's good and perfect will for my life. Well, what does it mean to be transformed? It means to change to another form, to change to another form. Transform means to change to another form or to transfigure. That is why in 2 Corinthians, it tells us if any man be in Christ, he is new. He has changed to another form. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm new. Now, I believe that one of the challenges is, is that what we hear most and what we hear first typically is the thing that dominates us, right? So let me give you an example. If as a kid, you had learned that one plus one was three, and that's what you had been taught early, that would be the dominant thought process, even though it's wrong, right? 
So you would be passionate about the fact that one plus one was three. And we would be all saying to you, no, one plus one is two. Let's show you. We're going to take one object, one object, two. And you'd be like, it's three. Why? Because it was the thing that was programmed into you. Many of us have had lies that are programmed into us. And our problem is, is that we passionately believe them. We are passionately attached to them. And so many times when God begins through the Holy Spirit to bring us truth, we fight to hold on to a lie, but we have been transfigured. And you have to begin to say that about yourself. Why is this important? Many of us grew up in churches where they said, um, you're just an old sinner saved by grace. And so here's the thing. When you're sin conscious, what are you going to do? Sin? Because we, we always respond based on who we think we are. And I use this example all the time. I say, I say that people say that they smoke cigarettes or weed because they're stressed. I have felt stressed lots of times. I don't smoke cigarettes or weed. You know why? I do not identify as a smoker of either thing. Do you know what I am inclined to do when I feel stressed? Eat sweets. So it's not the stress. It's not what's happened to you. It is not the experience, the encounter that is causing you to do what you do. You don't smoke cigarettes because you are because you are stressed. You smoke cigarettes because you identify as a smoker. You don't smoke weed because you are stressed. You smoke cigarettes. You smoke weed because you identify as a smoker. I don't eat sweets because I am stressed. I, I eat sweets because I identify as a sweet eater. What do you identify as? See, because if you go back to the beginning, what the enemy did that has been the problem in the world ever since is that he got Eve to be confused about her identity. And many of us, we have all types of identity issues because we are looking to someone or something other than God to tell us who we are. And you know, several years ago, we started this big thing with identity theft. And the Bible tells us that when we see something in the natural, it is an indication of something in the spirit. And what we know is that identity theft Someone takes your identity, confuses your identity, and now you can't do the things with your identity that you were supposed to be able to do. That is what the enemy did, steal, kill, and destroy, was that he used sin, he used the temptation to bring into the world that we would not know who we are. And Jesus came so that we could remember. Say this, say I remember. Passion, I'm not sure I fully remember. We do it by faith. I remember. That's why we keep looking at these scriptures, right? So to be transfigured. So when we think transfigured, how many of y'all like transformers? I like transformers. When you think transformation like scripture, don't think transformers. Because Bumblebee can turn back and forth between two things. No, that is not what God did for us. He did not give us, he did not, Jesus did not die for us to go back and forth between two things. He did not die for us to go one day I cuss people out and one day I don't. One day I'm happy and one day I'm not. One day I'm angry and one day I'm not. He did not die for us to go back and forth. He did not die for that type of transformation. A better example of what Jesus did for us is caterpillar to butterfly. It's metamorphosis. Once you, once a butterfly becomes a butterfly, they never go back to being a caterpillar. That's what's happened for us. And here's the thing. Now think about this. Can you imagine what it would look like 
for a caterpillar who is transformed in a butterfly to still be trying to slink on the earth, to still be trying to crawl on the earth, totally missing their purpose and identity. See, when you don't know who you are, you're still trying to crawl on the earth when God is giving you the ability to soar. You're still trying, think about this. When the caterpillar is the caterpillar, he's got to try to crawl over the grass. He got to try to crawl up the tree. But you know what? When he's a butterfly, what does he do? He just flies to whatever branch. And you need to understand that what Jesus has given you the ability to do is what you used to have to crawl over because you have been redeemed. You can just fly up to your rightful place. You can just get where you're supposed to be. You ought to stop and give God some praise for that, man. This is so, thank God we're going to heaven, but this is so much bigger than going to heaven because the promise is, is that when we walk in our identity, we bring heaven into the earth. What we do is we find out what God has for us and then we bring that into the earth realm. I love that somebody said no more crawling. See, and the reason that you're crawling is because you have the wrong perception of yourself. You think you're a caterpillar. You think you're rejected. You think you're a sinner saved by grace. You think you're a fornicator. You think you're an overeater. You think you have depression because you believe that about yourself. Then that is the way you show up in life. But I'm looking for some people that are willing to take what we've been teaching and say, no, I'm completing Christ. And anything I see in me that does not look like Christ is not the real me. And right now you should take this moment and you should break up with the things that you have held on to. What are the stories that you've kept telling yourself? What are the things? I can't do it because I don't have the money, because I don't have the degree, because I'm a woman, because I'm a man, because I'm from the South, because I'm single, because I'm too young, because I'm too old. No more crawling. I come into agreement with what God is saying about me. Amen. Amen. Now let's do a little recap. I love to say this because I think it's so important for us. God did not come to make me a better version of myself. Jesus did not shed his blood. Jesus' back was not beaten open. Jesus did not allow them to put nails in his hand and a crown of thorn on his head. He did not let them spit on him. He did not let them pull his beard out for me to be a better version of myself. He did it so that I could reproduce the image of Christ so that I could shine with divine, divine brightness. Now think about it. Jesus says that he was light. He then says to us, you're light. He wants us to mirror who he is. That is the real me. That is the real you, right? Now let's recap. Let's look at these four things we want to take away. God wants us to have the God kind of life, a life where we prosper in every area, including our soul. So if you were looking, man, I just want a quick recap of everything you just said so far. Great. Number one, God wants us to have the God kind of life where we prosper in every area, including our soul. That's what God wants for us. Number two, Jesus gave us full access to that life by paying the penalty for our sin. He ended the separation between us and God. He ended the separation between us and God. Number one, God wants us to have the God kind of life where we prosper in every area, including our soul. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to have the God kind of life. Number two, Jesus gave us full access to that life by paying the penalty for our sin. He ended the separation. 
So Jesus gave us full access by paying our penalty. He paid our penalty. We owed all these fees. We owed all of these debts. We could have never repaid them. Man, listen, the compound interest on sin, it was wearing us out. We were never going to catch up. And Jesus came and he paid the penalty. You ought to give God some praise for that. Number three, this new life is accessed by faith. We must decide to believe God. None of this teaching I say means anything if while I'm teaching, you're saying, but I'm still broken. You got to say, no, I'm whole. No, no, I'm coming out of that bad relationship. No, 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 I am getting a better job. No, my body is healing right now. It is receipt. This new life is accessed by faith. We must believe God. And then number four, we have to use truth to walk out our faith. We must use truth to walk out our faith. Who God says we are must become the linchpin, the foundation of how we build our faith, right? We are to use the word of God to eradicate every lie and every stronghold the enemy has placed through our, in our lives, right? So I want to say this, and then I'm going to get into the little more technical part of this and just take a deep breath. You're anointed to learn this. You can walk through this. You can do this. One, I want to tell you that what I'm teaching you today, you are not going to hear it one time and perfect it. This is a lifestyle of growing and becoming. This is a lifestyle of renewing. This is a lifestyle of lies being exposed. And every time they're exposed, you throwing them down, right? So you have to remember that, right? Because if not, you'll be like, oh my goodness, you know, this is hard. You know, and people go, is it hard to change your mind? Is it hard to change your mind? It is hard to change your mind, but you know what's harder? Living a life you're not created for. Struggling when you aren't created to struggle. Being tormented when you're not created to be tormented. Because literally it takes so much energy for you to be who you aren't called to be. You're working against yourself being who you aren't called to be. So is there some discomfort in learning to manage your mind? Absolutely but it is not near as uncomfortable at the, as the place of pain that we live in when we live the wrong life, right? Okay, so let's look at Colossians 2.10 and then Colossians 3, and then we're gonna start talking about how we do this work of transformation. So what I'm doing for you guys is I'm laying a biblical foundation and then I'm going to teach you the practical things you need to understand so you can learn how to mind your mind. Okay, Colossians 2.10, I'm only going to use verse 10. It says, we are complete in him. Jesus mirrors our wholeness and endorses our true identity. He is, I am, I am in us. So what do we learn from this? We are complete. Say I'm complete. I am whole and Jesus is my true identity. I am complete. I am whole and Jesus is my true identity. Come on, that's really good. I am complete. I'm not broke. You may hear a voice, you're broke. No, nope, I'm not broken. You're reject. I'm not rejected. You have an anger. No, I'm not that. You're an addict. No, nope, I'm not that. What am I? I? I'm complete. Because remember, 
As long as you identify as a smoker, you're still going to smoke. As long as you identify as a fornicator, as an angry person, you're still going to, you got to break up with that wrong thinking. This work right here of transformation, do you know what transformation really is? It is breaking up with the habit of being yourself. Transformation is breaking up with being the, with the habit of being yourself so that you can become your true self. So you got to break up with who you thought you were to become who God called you to be, right? Now let's go to Colossians 3, 1 through 6. Colossians 3, 1 through 6. Everybody take a deep breath. We got this. You can do this. So let's read verse one. It says, now this is what we're doing, Romans 12. Now this is showing us Romans 12. Tells you how you should see yourself. See yourself as what? Co-raised with Christ. The Bible tells you exactly how to see yourself. See yourself as co-raised with Christ. Can you see yourself as broken if you see yourself as co-raised with Christ? Can you see yourself as sick if you see yourself as co-raised with Christ? Can you see yourself as rejected, as abandoned, as not worthy of being loved if you see yourself as co-raised with Christ? This one phrase right here, it shifts all of us to how we should see ourselves. It says how you should see yourself is you are co-raised with Christ. Now ponder with persuasion the consequence of your co-inclusion. It says, now see yourself, Sean, see yourself as being formed in the image of Christ. Now you begin to meditate on what the consequence of your co-inclusion means. So what I'm going to do is that when these thoughts are trying to bombard me, I don't deserve it because I messed up. I don't deserve it because I'm black. I don't deserve it because I'm a woman. Whatever lies the enemy tells people, whatever, right? I'm going to say, no, no, no. I see myself as co-raised with Christ. And I'm going to now begin to ask myself, as a person who is co-raised with Christ, how should I feel about myself? As a person who is co-raised with Christ, how should I feel about this situation? I'm going to see myself and then I'm going to meditate on what it is that I see. Now, the truth of it is everybody knows how to do this. Tell your neighbor, say everybody knows how to do this. Everybody knows how to do this because we've all done it in some way. The reason research says that the reason some people graduate from college and some people don't, it's not because of it's not because of capability that it has a lot to do with people who see themselves graduated at the end. So a lot of people who don't finish college, it's because they don't see themselves as a graduate. But people who see themselves as a graduate keep working, keep going through the classes. It's not that they're not ever tired. It's not that they don't ever always, it's not that they always want to study. It's not that they always understand the material. It's that they've already seen themselves as the end. What we have to begin to do is that we have to stop trying to be and then see ourselves as already as already being, which will change our behavior. One of the big challenges for us is that we try to do behavior modification from the outside in. OK, so what we try to do is we try to change ourselves. We try to change our behavior without changing our inside, right? 
And so then in pressure, what's inside of us comes out of us. Jesus says, no, if you will begin to see yourself as co-raised with me, you will stop doing stuff, trying to be, and you will do stuff because you are. I really want us to get that. When we see ourselves as God, okay, so let's use this. Let's use some church stuff, right? Sometimes people are given a high praise, but you're giving a high praise because you're trying to convince God that you deserve something. So you're praising right beside somebody else who's praising and the person who beside you is praising, they're praising because they already know that the separation has ended. And because they know the separation is ended, they know that God is not withholding any good thing from them. And so they're not praising, trying to do enough to get, oh, God, look at me. Look at me. I'm going to run around the church three times so you know I'm serious. I'm going to high five my neighbor so you know I'm serious. I'm going to cry so that you know I'm serious. No, no, no. God, I'm crying because I am so thankful that you ended the separation and all you have is good things for me. God, I'm running around the building because I am so thankful that you ended the separation and I am free to be who you called me to be. And if most of us are honest, we can think of a time where our praise was to try to get something as opposed to our praise being because we know we are something. So we will fast trying to get something. We're, we're not fasting so we can see what God has already given us. We are fasting. I'm going to let the Lord know I'm serious. We're not sowing a seed because we believe we're already wealthy. We're sowing a seed because, God, we need some money and we need you to come through. And, God, if you, if you don't come through, we're not going to make it. No, no, no. Everything we do has to begin to become from the truth that we are already complete in Christ. So that can begin to be the checkpoint for you. If you find yourself, man, I'm about to pray extra. Ask yourself, why are you about to pray extra? Brenda, Everett, Michelle, Kimberly, why are you about to pray extra? What's that about? Is that because you're trying to be good enough for God to do something for you? Are you trying to show God how serious you are? Or is that because you really love him and you know he has your answer? Do y'all see the difference in that right there? We have what, the, what this revelation does is that it moves us from performance living. We're not performing to be good enough. We are doing what we do because we are his kids. Selah, let me take a drink of water. Hey, babe, I just want to go to verse five after that. Verse five. No, I love it. Brenda said we are already complete. Say, I'm already complete, yes? Now, one of the things they perform in personal development things is that they have you say yes at the end of it because you're affirming it in your brain. I'm complete, yes? That's how your brain, the, I'm just teaching y'all little hacks. I'm complete, yes? I'm whole, yes? Because your brain knows what an affirmative statement is, right? I'm already complete, yes? I'm, I'm complete, yes? I'm whole, yes? I'm already loved, yes. That's a brain hack. That's a brain hack. I already have abundance, yes. I'm already healed, yes. I'm already satisfied with long life, yes. I'm already divinely protected, yes. You hear at the end of my voice, it's not a question, it's not, yes. 
No, it's I'm already what he says I am. Yes. Now I begin to respond from the truth of who I am. Yes. And that yes is so important on the end, on the end of it because of what it does in your mind. It takes the statement and makes it affirmative. I'm not trying to get it. I have it. Yes. We're going to the store today. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's look at verse five. And I love this. Because I really want to get into the other part. You have to pull it up for me. Yeah. It says consider. So the first thing it told us was to see ourselves as co-raised. But if we go down to verse five, it says considers the members of your body as dead and buried toward everything related to the porn industry. There's some more to that verse. Sensual uncleanliness, longing for forbidden things, lust and greed, which are just another form of idol worship, right? But my favorite part is a note. That right there is scripture, but there is a note in this. Idol worship is worshiping a distorted image of yourself. Idol worship is worshiping a distorted version of myself. So when I see myself as something other than what God has said about me and I exalt that because understand whatever we behold, whatever we worship, we become like. So if I exalt brokenness over the truth of what God did, I become more broken. Do y'all hear, see that? If, if I exalt that I'm an angry person over the fact that God has given me peace, I become more angry. If I exalt the fact that I'm easily offended, if you don't you don't know what they've done to me, you don't you don't understand and I keep meditating on that, I begin to worship that image and I begin to say no that is the real me. I don't care what Jesus has done. I know who I am. I know I'm broken. I know my daddy didn't love me. I'm just keeping it real. No, you're worshiping a distorted image of yourself. And the worship of that distorted image keeps you from walking in what? Total life prosperity because you can never live above the condition of your soul. So let's use this example right here. Let's say if you're a person who struggles with rejection or struggled with rejection because you're whole. Yes, I'm whole. Yes. So a person who struggles with rejection, you meditate on rejection. You see rejection even when it doesn't exist. So what you do is you walk into scenarios looking for rejection. And so then you create rejection even when rejection isn't there. And because you're so focused on rejection, even when you're being accepted, you can't see it because you've already decided rejection. So you're worshiping rejection. You're taking worship. You're taking rejection everywhere you go. Rejection isn't there. You bring it into the atmosphere. I'm rejected. They don't love me. They didn't speak to me. They didn't do for me like they did somewhere else, which means it totally blinds you to all of the acceptance you've received. And, and it's human nature to do this because most of us, until we've trained our brains, you can have 20 amazing comments 
and one person say something negative and that's what you that's what you ruminate on that's what you meditate on you meditate on the one person who don't really like you the one person who won't really accept you all of that what you're worshiping that distorted image and the more you worship it the more you bring it into your life now that note says what does that note say it says Idol worship is worshiping a distorted image of yourself. Now let's go to verse six. These distorted expressions are in total contradiction to God's design and desire for your life. So you're not experiencing rejection because God wants you to. You're not, it's not because God got to have you in a holding pattern. It's not because God had to take you to the ballot to teach you something. You're, you're bringing those images. Now, here's the challenge. Most of us learned how to do that before we knew we were doing it. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, man, Pastor Edwin, I'm going to ask you again, which baby is it? Dub little love, which baby? Yeah. It's dub baby, okay? So dub baby, we was talking a couple of weeks ago. Dub baby got into another fight this week, y'all. He got into another fight because that's how he identifies as. He believes that he has to pop off quick to protect himself. So as a result, before his brain can even think to do something else, he's already gone into fight mode. Now, people look at somebody like that and they go, oh, my goodness, he has all that money. Why is he still acting a fool? Well, you have all that deliverance. Why are you still walking around in bondage? Because your mindset has not changed. We can put you in a new house. We can put you in a new job. We can put you in a new car. We can put you in a new relationship. But if your mindset doesn't change, you bring that distorted vision with you every Everywhere you go. That is why we have to do this Romans 12 and 2 work. No, the baby does need the Jesus, right? He need the Jesus, the Holy Ghost, a good church, and a bunch of soul shifting is what we really need, right? Now, what is transformation? So we know transformation is to transfigure. In order to transform, you have to change. Everybody say change. You have to change. I love it. People putting in the comments, I am whole. Yes. What are you doing? You're, you're training your brain. You're opening your subconscious up for a new reality, for a new truth, right? What does change require? Change requires learning and unlearning. Change is not just learning new. It is also unlearning, okay? So if I have walked into scenarios looking for fights, I must unlearn that. If I have walked into situations looking to be rejected, I must unlearn that. How do I unlearn something? I use new information. What is our new information? I am complete in Christ. Yes. I am complete in Christ. My new information is I'm complete. And I use that new information to open my consciousness to a new reality. And then I ponder on these realities of being complete. And then I say, if I knew I was complete, I wouldn't go in this room thinking people rejected me. If I knew I was complete, I wouldn't compare myself to other people. If I knew I was complete, I wouldn't always feel like I was being cheated out of something, right? So I begin to use this, this, this I'm complete my identity is being complete. 
I began to use that to open my awareness to a new consciousness. Pastor Edwin and I, we talked about this at the end of last week, and we talked about how like, um, how he didn't know all of the range of emotions that he had, which comes from a lot for people who have experienced trauma. People who have experienced trauma typically know happy and mad or happy and sad, okay? That's what they know. Why? And so as he began to walk into this new awareness, as he began to study what God was really saying about him, hearing what the father said to him, learning about emotional intelligence, he was able to say, oh, I'm not really mad. I'm irritated. I'm not really mad. I'm frustrated. I'm not really mad. I'm disappointed. What happened? The new awareness gave him new language to use, right? This is so good to me, right? So here's the thing. Now we're going to get into the nerd part right here. We must use our mind to rewire our brain because our mind and our brain is not the same, okay? Our mind and our brain is not the same. What do you mean? Your brain is an organ. Your brain is, is a muscle, right? We know this to be true because we say things like someone is brain dead. When we say that someone is brain dead, so brain is an organ, in your body, and mind is defi defined by neuroscientists as the consciousness that flows through your brain. So when we say someone is brain dead, we are saying that there is no more consciousness, there is no more mind flowing through their brain. Well, what we're doing is that we're going to learn how to use the word of God to hack our brains to rewire our brains. So a brain, because a brain is an organ, because a brain is a muscle, it, that we create these paths in our brain. So one of the examples that I like to use is this, is that, um, let's think about it like this. Once your mind, like we're only going to talk about two parts of the mind, your conscious and your subconscious, okay? So every time we do something repetitively, when we do something repetitively, not only do we train our mind, but we train our brain and our brain begins to run a path. Okay. So you brush your teeth by a path. Most people brush their teeth the same way every single day. If you start on the left side of your mouth, that's what you do every single day. If you do top first, that's what you do every single day. Why? Because you brush your teeth that that way that long that there is now a pattern, a path, let's use the word highway, let no let's use the word interstate. There is an interstate in your brain, in your brain because your consciousness ran through your brain and created that path. Does that make sense? So I challenge people. I say, what I want you to do so you can really get an understanding of this, because this will help you give yourself some grace with as transformation. Now I want you for the next seven days until we show up here next Sunday, I want you to brush your teeth using the other hand. 
And I want you to pay attention to how if you don't stay completely conscious the entire time, that without even thinking about it, you're not even consciously thinking, I'm left-handed. Every time I try this, I try to brush my teeth with my right hand. I cannot, I cannot listen to music. I cannot think about anything else. All I can think about is brushing my teeth with my right hand because if I don't, my brain and my subconscious work together to get me to transfer it back to my left hand and go back to brushing my teeth in the way that's normal. Does that make sense? So when we have been programmed to think a certain way about ourselves, that's what happens. And that's why I can feel so frustrating when you're trying to transform because you're like, Pashon, we are reading the scriptures. We do believe we're not supposed to panic. Why are we so panicked? We do believe we're not supposed to be in fear. Why are we in so much fear? We do believe we should have provision. Why do we have so many money problems? It's because you've been brushing a certain way and that is where your mind naturally defaults to. So let me just give y'all some, ner some nerd facts, right? So change requires learning and unlearning, right? And a habit is a hardwired pattern in the brain. So the way you brush your teeth, the fact that you, the way you tie your shoes, Edwin and I do not tie our shoes the same way. We learn differently. So even the way we wrap and loop, I'm left-handed, he's right-handed. So it looks very different, right? When he ties my shoes for me, um, they look so weird to me looking down at them because he does it all different than I do it, right? And so it is so important that we understand that we have these habits of thinking that are hardwired and they're not just hardwired, we get there fast. So it's an interstate. So when you make a decision to change and see yourself as complete, it's already done. You're such a, ha a hater. No, you tie your shoes with your right hand, not necessarily the right way. See, got to bless the people today. Can y'all bless y'all best? So what happens is, is that when I see myself in a certain way, and now I'm trying to see myself as complete, I can get to that anger, that rejection, that abandonment, that I don't have enough money, that I'm sick in my body, that I'm a failure. Do you see how quick I can get there? I can get there because the path is already built. So when I start trying to see myself as whole and blessed and free, that can be so frustrating because I want you to think about it like this. I want you to think about this. Whatever you already do, think about it like being an interstate in your brain. And whenever you're trying to do something new, think about it like building a trail. Anybody from the country ever walked a trail? And you know that when you walk on a trail, it's bushes on the trail, all that. But what I learned as a kid is that if we would walk a trail every year, that path would get clearer and it would get wider. So if we're going to change our minds, it's not enough for us to say I'm complete on Sunday or complete on Tuesday when the prayer team is having us do it. It has to be something that we're doing re repetitively because we have to acknowledge that our brain already holds a pattern that takes us to places we no longer want to go. Right. We have to acknowledge that we've already, we already have a proclivity to the thing that we already have a proclivity to do. And so it's going to get there fast. So I have to mind my mind, mind my mind, right? Now, this is what you need to know about your mind. 
You think between 60 to 70,000 thoughts each day, 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. And 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts as yesterday. We all think between 60 and 70 thoughts per day, 70,000 thoughts per day. And for all of us, 90% of those thoughts are repetitive. That's cool for the stuff we need to know how to do repetitively, right? What do I mean? You don't want to get up every morning and have to relearn how to tie your shoe, how to brush your teeth, how to button your jeans, how to drive your car, how to log into your computer. That's not stuff you want to learn. That's the stuff you want your brain to hold and get too fast. The challenge for your brain is that your brain doesn't know the difference between good habits and bad habits. Your brain hardwires whatever you give it. So we think between 90, 90% of our thoughts are the same thoughts as yesterday, which is why a lot of people, you feel like you just live the same day over and over again. You live the same day over and over again. What do I mean? You get up every day. You get dressed the same way. You wash and brush your teeth the same way. You eat the same thing for breakfast. You drive the same way to work. You go to the same store. You literally, you're just living Groundhog Day over and over again. So if I'm going to change my life to live in this complete time, I got to break the habit of being myself, which means I have to take control of my mind. I have to get out of the habit of allowing my brain to operate on subconscious most of the time. Right. So there's a quote by Dr. Joe Dispenza, which I love because I think I think it gives us a lot of insight, but it actually shows us something really powerful. It says 95 percent of who we are by the time we are 35 is a memorized set of behaviors, emotional reactions, unconscious habits, hardwired attitudes, beliefs and perceptions that function like a computer program. I'm going to say that again. 95% of who we are by the time we are 35 is a memorized set of behaviors, emotional reactions, unconscious habits, hardwired attitudes, beliefs, and perceptions that function like a computer program. Now, if you're over 35, you may be thinking, oh my God, I'm in trouble. But I just want you to know the one thing here that really blesses me. It functions like a computer program. What do we know about a computer program? They can be upgraded. It's time to upgrade your brain. You upgrade your mind. You upgrade your brain with truth, with a higher level, with a higher performing program, right? And so listen, don't get overwhelmed by that because you just need to know that whatever you are doing today it is a result of something that was memorized. It operates like a computer program and that you can reboot and upgrade. Tell your neighbor, I am not stuck. I am not stuck. I am not stuck living the rest of my life. Come on. I love that. Ever said, I am not in trouble. I am completing Christ. I am not in trouble. I am completing Christ. See, because even how you felt when you heard that, what happens is, is that your brain went back to that bad path that says, oh my God, see, I told you it was hard to change that. And then, then Everett comes and he interrupts that. He says, no, I am not in trouble. I am complete. And that is how we begin to mind our mind. That is how we break up with the habit of being ourselves, right? 
Let me see what else I want to tell you. Okay. So now I want to get into the steps. I want to get into the steps. What are you going to have to do intentionally? And we'll get out of here. What are you going to have to do on time, every single day, every single day, every single day? And I was thinking about this. So the house we live in now, when we first lived in that house, I think probably the first 10 years we lived in that house, I parked on in the other garage, in the other side of the garage. When I go outside, Almost every day, I still push the first the first thing to get out. And I was started thinking about this teaching and I went, I pushed that even though for eight or nine years, I've been parked on the other side because that's where my broke my brain was programmed first. So I started saying when I'm walking to the garage, push the second button, not the first one. Because what happens is, is that if, if I'm if I'm talking to somebody, walking out on the phone, talking to strict, praying, whatever it is, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to push that first button. Why am I going to push that first button? Because that's what I did first. I love what Nietzsche says. I am completing Christ. My brain and heart easily receive this truth. Everybody should take that as a part of their confession. I am completing Christ. My brain and heart easily receive this truth. So what I started doing when I started studying this to teach again was to say, I'm going to break the habit of pushing the first button. I have not lived on that side of the garage, parked on that side of the garage for 10 years. I have no reason to still push that button. So now I'm consciously, as I'm walking to the car, push the second button. As I'm walking, push the second button. Why? I'm building a new trail. I'm building a new pattern. Okay. So you have to be intentional. So what is step, step number one? Step number one is that I have to be intentional about thinking about my thinking. I have to be intentional about thinking about my thinking. Okay. So for example, let's use something like rejection. If you're a person who typically walks into spaces and you feel rejected because you feel that you don't get the welcome that somebody else gets. One, you're going to start meditating and you're going to start paying attention to who is accepting you. Well, how can you do that? If something is this on social media, if you're on social media, instead of focusing on who didn't comment on your post, who didn't like your post, you give your attention to those who do because they are showing you love. You don't pay attention to all of the people who didn't. Oh, my mama saw that and she didn't like that. Oh, my cousin saw that. No, 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 because that is only going to take me to the place that I am comfortable with, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, well, Pastor Sean but five people like my post, but those five people are amazing. They thought enough of me to stop what they were doing and like my post, and I'm going to feel acceptance for that. So then I'm going to prepare when I walk into a safe, I walk into the store, I'm going to pay attention to who makes eye contact with me, who speaks to me, who smiles at me, who nods at me. I'm not going to pay attention to the one cashier that didn't give me any help, right? I'm going to be intentional about my thinking because in the same way you have trained your brain to see rejection everywhere, you've got to train your brain to see acceptance everywhere. And I want to say this to every person who says that they are rejected because you're not and you it's a lot number one 
Everybody on this planet has been rejected by somebody. Everybody has. It's impossible not to be because everybody can't be in relationship with everybody. And you have rejected somebody. You're not, you haven't been friends with everybody who wanted to be friends with you. You haven't went to hang out with everybody who wanted to hang out with you. You haven't gone to lunch with everybody who go, went to lunch with you. So rejection is a part of life because we can't be friends and have relationship with all 7.9 billion people on the planet. Right? So you have to say that in the same way that I have the right to choose <coughs> not to date this person, or not to spend time with this person, people have the right to make that choice about me and it doesn't mean anything is wrong with me. We've all been rejected and we have all been accepted more than we've been rejected. When you go into the store, everybody don't take off running when they see you. It's, I mean, it's just, it's and it's a lie. So you'll be rehearsing this one time You'll be rehearsing this one time you didn't get invited to the party. You have been invited to so many events since then, but you're still triggered by the one time you didn't get invited to the party, right? I love it. Latanya said, as a parent, I caught myself the other day, focus on the Lord great. And I said, focus on all the positive grades. And then when my, my daughter got, my child got home and she said, I have all A's. I said, yes. And she said her teacher had not put her grade in correctly and it was wrong when I received it, but now it reflects accurately. So glad I focused on the positive and not the negative, right? And, but even if she did have a lower grade, you're going to do more to get her to raise the grade by celebrating Everybody likes to be celebrated more than they like to be critiqued. Everybody. So that is why it's really important. It's really important that you're kind to yourself, which is going to be one of the points that we're going to talk about, because you've got to celebrate when you do do the right thing. So Latanya, not only should you have been glad of what you did for your kid, you should celebrate. You should say, oh my goodness, when I was growing up, maybe that's not the experience I had, or maybe that's not what I do for myself. Way to go, Latanya. Way to notice the positive. We have to train our brain. We have to train our brains. We, we, what's another way we train our brain, brain? With gratitude? We train our brain with gratitude. Many of us know everything that's going wrong, but it would take us much longer to make a list of what's going right. No, no, no. You train your brain with gratitude. So number one, I got to become intentional, very intentional, very on purpose about thinking about my thinking. Number two, I must set my intention at the beginning of every day. I, it is my responsibility to determine what kind of day I'm going to have. Before you get out of bed, you need to say something like this. I am having a great day today. I am going to have a good day today. And then you need to enter this caveat in your brain. I may have bad moments. I do not have bad days. I may have a bad moment. I may, I may be running late. Traffic may, the, the boss may talk crazy. My husband may act the fool. I don't care nothing about that. I have great days. Now understand that because when I'm setting my intention, I take away other people's permission to run my day. And I can think about this because I can remember years ago when Pastor Ellen used to work this job and it was really stressful for him. And so he would be grumpy cat. Y'all know grumpy cat. And so he would be grumpy cat like all the time at home. And so then I would be like, babe, are you okay? Babe, are you okay? Babe, are you okay? Babe, are you okay? So then now I find myself mad because I think he mad. He not even mad at me. He irritated by his job, right? And so now I have given some people I don't even know at a job I don't even work with to determine what kind of day I have. That is so silly. So I may have a bad moment, but I don't have bad days. 
So I got to set my intention every day. Number three, I must in aggressively, the Bible says that um, since the day of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violent, but the violent take it by force. If you don't get aggressive, this won't work. You must aggressively interrupt thought patterns that reinforce your old self. You must aggressively interrupt thought patterns that reinforce your old self. What do I mean? If you know you're normally a complainer and you hear yourself complain, you say, stop that right now. List three things you're thankful for. You go, Pastor John, you're going to look crazy in the store. Do you want to look crazy? Do you want to be free or do you want to look normal? And I have a great example. I have a friend who used to be a hustler. And, and when she got radically saved by the Lord, she used to lie a lot because she was a hustler. And she would, we would be in a conversation and she would say, I'm sorry, I'm lying. That's not really what happened. And she did it to break herself from lying. And she didn't care where we were. Like, like stop trying to save your reputation. Like, man, if you in the store and you find yourself doing some critical thinking, you say, Trinika, stop that. We're not doing that today. That's how you have to talk to yourself. You have to aggressively interrupt thought patterns. Trinika, we already said we're going to have a good day. I know I can call Trinika name because she ain't in a circle. She's not going to get fragile on me. Um, you know, I'm I, listen, Trinika, we're going to have a good day. We have rehearsed this story for 30 minutes now. You're going to move on now because we're not going to keep talking about this. You got to talk to yourself like this. We're not going to keep talking about this. We're not going to keep rehearsing this. Number four, you must dump your day. Number four, you must dump your day. And I want to tell you, an inner circle would tell you too. Dump your day is the process. And this is what I ask the hope. This is how I dump my day. I ask the Holy Spirit, what do I not need to take into my sleep? What do I need to deal with, exhale, release, and not take into my sleep? You must dump your day. And I'm going to tell you this, right? that most of my clients will tell you they fight with number two and number four. They set, they fight with setting their intentions and they fight with dumping their day. And I'm going to tell you why it's an issue of discipline. Every great athlete will tell you fundamentals always matter. Every great athlete will tell you fundamentals always matter. Nope. You never get so good at what you're doing that you don't need fundamentals. Well, setting your intentions, aggressively interrupting thoughts and dumping your day, those are fundamentals. And what people begin to do is you begin to think, oh, I got mastery over this now. I'm not gonna dump my day. You say, I got mastery over this now. I know I'm gonna have a good day. I don't set my intentions. And that's really how backsliding happens. Before you know it, you've gone a week and you're like, why am I sleeping good? Oh, when the last time you dumped your day? Oh, I didn't dump my day because, I, you know, when you said that, I didn't really think that meant me too. Tell your neighbor, say, I mean, tell your neighbor, say, Pastor me, everybody. Everybody. Fundamentals always matter. Fundamentals always matter. And setting your intention and dumping your day. Look, what are you doing? You're setting your intention. You're saying, this is what kind of day I'm going to have today. Dumping your day says, I'm not taking any of the mess that happened today to bed with me so I can be tormented in my dreams, not sleep well and make wake up mad. Do y'all know that sometimes y'all wake up mad because you ain't dump your day? Like you, how, how you wake up angry? How you wake up irritated? Because you didn't dump your day. You didn't dump that argument with your spouse. You didn't dump that conversation with your boss. So you, you, so you wake up in a deficit. 
All right, number five, you got to get a team to hold you accountable. Somebody got to be able to say to you, you tripping. Somebody got to be able to say that to you, which means you have to tell somebody. I have to say to Chris, Chris, I'm working on being sweeter. If you see me not being sweet, you can remind me that I'm working on being sweeter. And then I can't be yelling at Chris when she's trying to remind me that I'm supposed to be sweeter. So you got to tell wives and husbands, you got to say to each other, you got to say, you know what? I noticed that when I get hungry, I get hangry and that's not acceptable. And so what I'm going to work on doing is eating, eating fat, eating earlier. But I'm also going to work on this thing of not getting hangry. And if I start getting angry, you can hold me. You can hold me accountable for it because I don't have a right to strike out at you because I'm hungry. I don't have a right to strike out at you because I haven't had coffee. It's maturity. Now, let me tell you something. It sound all great now, but it's go, it's moments when Pastor Edwin corrects me about something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I wish you wouldn't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Right? So you got to know that that's going to be part of it. Part of it, sometimes you're going to be so glad that somebody called you on the carpet. And sometimes you're going to be like, could you stop talking to me? Could you leave me alone? But if you're committed to this, even if, you act up at the time. You got to come back and you got to say, babe, I'm sorry. When you were trying to help me the other day and tell me that I shouldn't eat that many sweets, you were right. I had already gone over my allotment for sweets today. And I want to apologize for acting like that. Like that, Chris said, strike or no striking, right? You got to stop striking out. All right. So then six, you have to be kind to yourself. You have to be kind to yourself. Why do you have to be kind to yourself? Because change is uncomfortable and we don't like pain. So that's why we have to celebrate our wins really big, guys. Because if we celebrate our wins really big, we want to do it more. You can't say stuff to yourself like, you should know better by now. You can't do that because if you do that, then your brain is going to fight your transformation because you're making, you're creating more pain. You got to say stuff to yourself like this. Hey, Sean, you missed it that time, but tomorrow you're going to get it. You're going to get another opportunity and you're going to get it. You got to say, Chris, listen, I know you said that you were going to get, you weren't going to miss this again. It's okay. Just get up and keep going. And you got to use this term that we use all the time. I'm growing and becoming. I'm growing and becoming. And then number seven, you got to repeat one through six forever. Fundamentals matter. So let's, I'm going to recap them for you. Number one, you have to be intentional about paying attention to your thinking. Number two, you have to set your intentions every single day. Number three, you must aggressively interrupt thought patterns that reinforce your old self. Number four, you must dump your day. Number five, you must have a team that holds you accountable. And number six, you must be kind to yourself. And number seven, you must repeat one through six. How long? Forever. Forever. All right. So listen, I want to see you guys doing this work. You have what it takes to change. God has already given you the ability to learn and unlearn. He's already declared that you are complete in Christ. You are not in bondage. Does this make sense to everybody? Listen, this is your opportunity. We're going to get ready to give our offering. But if you have any questions, go ahead and put those questions in there. You have to practice this. This is not magic. This is not come up to the altar and somebody spray you with oil. 
This is you must practice this. And as you practice it, your practice will release supernatural breakthrough. Your practice will release supernatural breakthrough. Things you thought you could not get over, things you thought you could not shift, as you practice, you will tap into the anointing that helps you rewire your brain, that helps you transform your life. Any questions? Well, number one, here's what you need to do. You need to accept Jesus as your personal savior if you haven't done that. Why? Because if you don't accept Jesus as your personal savior, when you're doing these steps, man, you're missing the key component that you've been made complete in him. And what you're just trying to do is good personal development and personal development is cool, but personal development is not the same as being complete in him. We want to do our personal development from the place of being complete, not trying to be complete, right? If you're in a backslidden state, you're in a backslidden state. You know why you're in a backslidden state? Because you got a bad thinking, feeling cycle because you identify something that you know that you aren't. So come on home and learn how to live in this space where you get to see where, who you really are. Right. So if you want to do either one of those things, you want to accept Jesus, you can put it in the comments. You want to come back home and from being in a backslidden state, you can put it in the comments or you can send us a message to um, the group and just say, um, um, put it in the group or you can send a message in messenger and say, listen, I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And then you want to be a partner at Fellowship of Champions because we're here teaching people how to walk in love and live by faith and experience God's prosperity in every area of life. And that means you got to do we love to shout? Yes. Do we love good teaching? Yes. Do we love praise and worship? Yes. But do you know what? After you get through listening to word and after you get through shouting, you know what you got to know how to do? Live every day. And so we are here to give you practical tips that produce supernatural results because they are an expression of your faith. And so if you want to be a partner at FOC, man, you need to go to the website and you need to fill out the form that says, I want to be a partner. You know why? Because we don't know we go together unless you say it. Also, we're asking all of our covenant partners to register um, um, and then to sign your children up for Victory Zone, all kids ages 3 through 12. Our Victory Zone team is working on some amazing gifts that they want to be able to give kids on their birthdays and communicate with them. And if you don't put your kids' information in there, they're not going to get it. And then you're going to be sad because they're going to be talking to you about why they didn't get to whatever everybody else got. And you could just avoid that by right now going to fill out the form, right? And if you're a partner and you haven't filled out the new form, we ask you to fill out the new form. And guess what, guys? It's May, which means it's five months into the year. And that should be done already by now, right? Real quick, let's go through the announcements. On Monday, I do strategies for success. 12 noon, I'm going to be teaching about this tomorrow. You want to hear it again? Come back and hear it again. On Tuesday night, it's 8 p.m. Central. We have prayer because something supernatural happens when we, we pray. Come on and join us. Ignite, 7 p.m. You need to get your kids in Ignite. Listen, our teachers are leading these kids through making sure right now that they fundamentally understand the Bible. And I love it. Hey, are your kids watching Victory Zone? Why not? What's wrong with you that you ain't got your kids watching Victory Zone? Man, they're doing amazing lessons. And the truth of it is some of those Victory Zone lessons will help us. They will help us manage our thinking feeling cycle if we watch with the kids. Right. And so and then we have refreshed Bible study at 8 p.m. Central. You ought to come to Bible study because why? Because you want to be in the word so you can grow and not be living up and down and all over the place. Then on Thursday, you can do whatever you want to do, but don't sin. 
do whatever you want to do that's fun and healthy and clean and doesn't require you to need to repent when you show up for prayer at 6.30 a.m. on um, Friday morning. That's our champion circle. We love how everybody comes together and pray. Then on Saturday, you can do what you want to do again. When I say do what you want to do, you know I don't mean sin, guys, right? You should not be out here wanting to sin. Sin sucks. Sin destroys. You don't want to sin. That's not even the real you. Stop that. Then on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m., who's going to be there? I mean, 9 o'clock a.m., who's going to be there? Pastor Chris, Elder Valley. Know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be singing about Jesus. You ought to be there singing about Jesus with them. And then on Sunday at 9.30, it's going to be me and Pastor Elwin. Pastor Elwin, come say hi to the people. We interrupt this broadcast for a special announcement. Happy Mother's Day, Mom! Oh, thank you. Love you so much. You ought to check your cash out because OSC loves you so, so much. Oh, thank y'all. Y'all are so sweet. Hashtag give fire, give hearts right now. If we are so thankful for our amazing woman of God, Pastor Sean. Strickland, happy Mother's Day. We love you so, so much. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Pass down, come say hi. You can work here. Just pull yourself in. Oh, no. Come over here. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Hello. God bless you. Oh, baby, that was quick, wasn't it? That was quick. All right. We want y'all to have an amazing day. Listen, again. If your mother isn't alive, if you don't have a great relationship with your mother, you can take these steps and, and, and work your thinking, feeling cycle today. You do not have to have a miserable day today. You don't have to let Mother's Day, Father's Day, the 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Ar um, Arbor Day, Labor Day, Memorial Day, no day ever be a bad day. Why? Because you have set your intention that you're going to have a great day. You may have a bad moment, but you will not have a bad day. All right. We love you guys so much. I hope that you will listen to this teaching over and over again. As always, I'm going to ask you to do the thing that I do at the end of teaching. Tell me something you got in the comments and we're going to get ready to get out of here. Tell me something you got you're going to take that you took away from today's teaching that you're going to implement in your life. Right. And look, we're going to be done, including the introduction in less than one hour and 30 minutes today. So put your comments in there. Tell us what you learned. We appreciate y'all so much. Um, we love you. We're so honored to pastor you. Uh, mothers, go have you a good day. Do what you want to do today. Take, take a nap if you want to. Eat what you want to eat. Everybody else can figure out what they're going to do. Get them baby some ramen noodles or some pizza and enjoy your day. Brenda says she's learned to dump her day. That's good. To be gracious to yourself. Good job, Nitra. What else? What else y'all get from this? Personal development is not the same as being complete in Christ. I will begin dumping my day starting tonight. Good, good, good. Don, fundamentals, one through six, forever, forever, ever. Why? Because we don't stop doing fundamentals, ever. You don't go, oh, I'm so mature, I don't brush my teeth no more. Nobody, I don't shower anymore. We do fundamentals. Consistently set my intentions and dump my day. Yes. <laughs> E-toy. Um, fundamentals matter. Keep doing what works. Mary, bad moments, but a good day. I want you to phrase that. I want you to switch that. I want you to say, I have good days. 
right? Don't lead with bad moments. Just in your mind for that switch. Lead with good days. Stop rehearsing trauma. That's right. Focus on who you are in Christ. Focus. And guys, those of you, who, here's a last tip. Those of you who have a trauma story that you go to with your friends, tell your friends not to let you keep telling that story. Tell your friends to give you a timer that when you bring that story up, you have three minutes to talk about that story and then you must move on. Ask your friends, your family to help you break up with these trauma stories. All right. I love it, Mary. I have good days. Yes, you do. You have good days. All right. I love y'all. Y'all have an amazing day. We're about to get out of here. See you real soon. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll see you. Y'all have a great week. All right. We love you.